Looky there, grains are off to a, well, let's call it a decent start, with the fundamentals just a little too weighty for the cattle complex presently. Uh, This morning, we're going to talk jobs, economy, the Fed, aid packages, spending packages, whatever else our panelists find interesting or of note. Live from the closing laps of the week via Farm Journal broadcast, this is Agritalk. This morning, it's our Friday for for all with panelists Jim Wiesmeyer and Sean Haney. And directly following the news, Jennifer Scheich from Farm Journal's Pork. I'm in for Chip this morning. It's me, the handsome newsman, Davis Michelson. Welcome to AgriTalk, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. 48 degrees and cloudy here in the city of Fountains. I hope you have woken up to a lovely day wherever you might be. Grateful to have you along for the ride. So much to talk about this morning. I only understand about half of these concepts that we're going to talk about. Uh, fortunately, we've got Sean Haney from Real Ag Radio and Pro Farmer Policy OG Jim Wiesmeyer along to elucidate some of the stuff for us. Aid packages. You know, one of the things I want to talk about this aid package. All right, so we, the House passed a bill that's going to send some funding to Israel, but it's just an individual aid package, and apparently, we. Uh, Congress prefers bundles these days. We'll find out if that's just going to be the way it is or if it's an old trick or what we got going here exactly with all the funding packages. And, oh, by the way, uh, it's November. We're only two weeks away now from that November 17 deadline when the government will fold in on itself financially unless something is done. I wonder where we're at there. I bet Jim can give us some insights. And uh, Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, Came up in the news this week, um, something to do with, with national climate policy and the heating oil was mentioned and home heat and all this sort of stuff. Sean Haney's around. He'll he'll uh, throw in perspective all over the place, I'm sure, but on this one especially, what is the deal with Canada? So we'll have all of that and much, much more. My strategy, um, if you've been listening for a while in these situations, just make these guys talk. They are super smart. Super up to date on what's going on, and so uh, I'm anxious to see what uh, what this conversation will yield. Stick around, but first we've got to uh, report on some news where we've got a USDA daily export sale. 131,150 metric tons of soybeans to unknown for 23-24. Unknown, usually China, although not always, 131 thousand metric tons sold for 23-24. The National Weather Service expects the Great Plains to warm up this weekend. Several rounds of moderate to locally heavy precipitation will continue into portions of the Pacific Northwest, Northern Rockies, and Northern California this weekend into early next week. A bit of a reprieve from this cold, I don't know if you can call it a cold snap, more of a cold bend. I mean, to me, to me, a cold snap, and I envision like things breaking you know it's not quite a cold snap until something breaks so we'll call it a cold bend whatever you may call it some relief is ahead in the coming days and it's uh once again time to fall back this weekend love it or hate it daylight saving time ends for most of the u.s at 2 a.m local time this coming sunday that's november 5 daylight saving time returns on march 10 2024 it's time to fall back this weekend. The House on Thursday cleared a $14.3 billion supplemental funding bill for Israel. The move has ignited a a partisan dispute, primarily along party lines, due to its inclusion of an equal cut to tax enforcement funding at the Internal Revenue Service. House Speaker Mike Johnson defended the offset from the IRS, describing it as an effort to restore fiscal responsibility. Johnson has reportedly told Senate Republicans he will not accept grouping aid to Israel and Ukraine. So when we talk about uh, the the bundle approach, so far, new Speaker Johnson is not interested in that bundled approach. Sustainable aviation fuel leaders are pressing the Biden administration to modernize its carbon measuring model for the biofuel. They say that's key to winning tax credits to attract needed investment. The biofuels and aviation industries want the administration to apply the Energy Department's so-called GREET model rather than the old model to measure full life cycle emissions of sustainable aviation fuel 
and make it eligible for credits. Nebraska's Adrian Smith comments on the old model. I'm told that because this model is somewhere between 10 and 15 years out of date, U.S. grown corn and soy do not qualify. If U.S. grown corn and soy don't meet this model's standards, the sustainable aviation fuel produced from them would be ineligible. We'll get more from our panel on this and the GREET model. In other news, in October 2023, the U.S. economy added 150,000 jobs, marking a significant slowdown compared to a downwardly revised figure of 297,000 in September and falling below market expectations of 180,000. The report highlights a gradual cooling of the labor market with several strikes, including those involving UAW members, having an impact on manufacturing payrolls. The unemployment rate in the United States increased to 3.9% in October, slightly exceeding market expectations on the previous month's figure of 3.8%. That's the highest jobless rate since January 2022. House Speaker Mike Johnson said Thursday that Republicans are considering a new approach to stopgap funding that would extend pieces of current appropriations for different time periods, effectively setting up a series of funding cliffs while avoiding a single deadline that could trigger a partial government shutdown for all agencies. And finally, House GOP efforts to find billions of dollars in savings to help reform Title I safety net programs will go nowhere with Democrats and will be blocked in the Senate, according to sources. And with that, let's bring in Jennifer Scheich from Farm Journal's Pork. Jennifer, good morning. How are we? I'm good. How are you? Outstanding. Um, Pork demand is is sort of seen to be struggling just a little bit. I would love it if you could if you could share an example, maybe two, of how farmers are reaching out to consumers successfully. Well, certainly, you know, pork demand. We we saw such great things happen during the pandemic, and now as things have kind of shifted down, I mean, it's it's something everybody's talking about, and we'd like to see it be better. But one of the things that um, we've been hearing more and more focus on at the National Pork Board is creating long-term demand and helping create more connections to pork. And I think it's really neat to see how pork producers are, are getting out there and doing that on their own. And we've got a story up this week on pork business about two producers who are doing it in two different ways. One of those is um, going to the actual um retailers and going to the food service folks and inviting those people to come out to their farm. So um, the Horde family, Philip Horde, um, their approach is simply like, why don't we want to be better connected to them? And they feel like one of the best ways to do that is to bring those retailers right back to the farm where they can get into the barns and see how they're doing thing and ask and ask questions because that gap is there that we need to figure out how to how to minimize. But I also love the approach that um, Jess Stevens is taking where they sell pork directly to the consumer off of their farm. And basically it's a, it's a trust system where people can come into their driveway and use the honor system to check themselves out and grab whatever meat that they need for the day and take off. And it's working for them. But two very different ways to drive demand. Two very different ways toward the same goal. Uh, we'd love to see some more pork demand, and anything that growers can do to encourage that is uh, is outstanding and worth note. Jennifer Scheich from Farm Journal's Pork, thanks for starting off the day sure. with us. Thank Coming you. up, we've got Jim Wiesmeyer and Sean Haney, the Friday free-for-all. Let's start with those unemployment numbers and uh, see where that gets us. At Simplot Grower Solutions, success starts with seed. For each field condition, climate, and agronomic management style, your local Simplot Grower Solutions Crop Advisor can help you select and provide the seed that enables you to plant a strong foundation for the growing season. Our team of seed experts are committed to your success and will offer the support you need to optimize your yield potential. Contact your local crop advisor now for your best seed opportunity or visit SimplotGrowerSolutions.com for more information. Anyone can choose to make a difference. You can help people succeed, rebuild after disasters, protect the environment, or feed the hungry. Not only will you make a difference for others, but for yourself. You can earn money for college, learn career skills, and make friendships that last a lifetime. Make a difference. Choose your future. Choose AmeriCorps. 
The Scoop Podcast is where we talk about tight supply chains, emerging agronomic challenges, technology tools delivering ROI. I'm Margie Echelkamp, editor of The Scoop and host of The Scoop Podcast. Join me as I interview leaders from across the ag retail sector. Farmers are working hard for every bushel and their trusted advisors are by their side. Find The Scoop Podcast wherever you find podcasts so you are up to date on everything ag retail. Hi, I'm Smokey Bear, and I made an assistant to help you out because only you can prevent wildfires. Hey, Assistant Smokey Bear, call me Papa Bear because I'm grilling up dinner. <laughs> do you get it? Yes, good job. So what should I do with all these coals? Don't just toss them out. Put them in a metal container because those embers can start a wildfire. I understand. The stakes are high. Ha, 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 ha. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ag Council. Ready for our little forest adventure? Yes! We're here! Whoa! That was fast! There's a forest closer than you think. Find a park or forest near you and music inspired by nature at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by USDA Forest Service and the Ad Council. Snakes. Zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward, don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. AgriTalk is brought to you by Phospholutions, which is excited to launch Rhizozorb, the first fertilizer technology proven across hundreds of field trials to improve grower ROI by 20% and maintain or increase yield with less applied phosphate per acre. And welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Your pal, Davis Michelson. Chip is out today, you may have noticed. He's uh, not around. He's off doing a thing. Don't worry about it. He'll be back on Monday morning, first thing. Everything's fine. He's doing a thing. He's okay. He's all right. Um, but I'm still here. Thanks for noticing. And I've got, uh, let's start with the Alberta breeze. Sean Haney from Real Ag Radio. Good morning, sir. How are you? Hey, Davis. I'm doing great. I'm a little bit disappointed that the World Series is over. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's been a really, really busy week news-wise. So looking forward to the conversation today. Absolutely, it has. And uh, Pro Farmer Policy OG, Jim Wiesmeyer, good morning. Good morning. I note that the Texas team used to be the Washington Senators. See, now I'm... Really? This is yeah. This is why I brought you both in early. Go ahead, get the sports ball talk out of the way. Apparently some new champion has been crowned of some sort. <laughs> I'm I don't know you. what's going on. <laughs> Go. 11 road wins? Crazy. Is that- 11 road wins? Yeah, they yeah. are quite a team yeah and they almost won their division right it's not like they were like a super wild card right sean i agree with you they 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 filtered in i think it was august where they really had a really really tough stretch um but you know what honestly i was cheering for the d-backs but uh i'm so happy for bruce bochi to you know kind of pushed out because he isn't big into analytics in san francisco takes a couple years off gets kind of the fire back under him and comes back for one more run and you know, what a great story. He just, you know, he is a legend in baseball. Yeah. Well, let me ask you and this. I had some good home run players. I'm I'm coming to you from Royals country. I don't think I need to tell you that the Royals uh, finished last in their division this year as well. I don't know about the year before last year, but this is two years in a row now. Um, dude, it was so exciting. They won a World Series and then it all got kind of not so good since then. Did the Rangers have that same thing to look forward to? Is that a thing? You win the World Series and then, then well, you struggle it, for a few years? Put put it the other way, Davis. You know, mm-hmm. both these teams, like the two years the last two years, I think uh, the Rangers lost ninety five games last year, maybe ninety four uh, the year before. The the D backs two years ago lost hundred and ten games. Wow. Right? So mm-hmm. these are both two stories where they were very quick turnaround. So there's hope for the Royals yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Thank you. There is hope. Yes, for the and Texas yeah. did not have one homegrown pitcher. By the way, they 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 got them from elsewhere. 
Hmm. Yeah, free agents. They know how to pick players. That's Evidently. what it told me. Yeah. Well, um, with that anyway, World on to the topics. Indeed, on to the topics. Um, employment numbers. I'm just going to hit a couple of bullet points here. Employment numbers point to an economy that's losing steam. Weakest job growth since January 2021. And ING Economics uh, chimes in. Soft jobs report reinforces the message that the Fed's work is done. Um, Jim, unemployment numbers. Well, let's look what the I agree with that, and let's see what the market's saying now. Based on the CME Fed funds, uh, you know, futures in December, overwhelming probability in in December and January is no change, and you don't get the odds for a cut until the May meeting next year. Yeah, right. yeah and, and and for those of you that have been waiting for that unemployment number to start to creep up to you know sig- give a bit of a signal to the fed that their time is done you you the last couple job reports you you've been in the winning camp um mm-hmm. it, you know it, you tie on top of that we're seeing a global shipping a container company Maersk is you know they made an announcement that they're laying off like 10,000 people on their staff because of uh, the the shipping boom being over and real cutting of rates so there's a bit of a grinding slowing down here, which definitely gives the Fed reason to uh, pause like they did this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim, I've got a comment here from Megan Hornman, chief investment officer at Verdance Capital Advisors. Uh, she says, quote, the Fed meeting is behind us. We can now look forward to some of the economic data and see if that confirms the Fed can stay on hold. And she uses this word indefinitely um, does do these employment numbers, does this employment rate, does this uh, speak to what, what Ms. Hornman is talking about? Jim? I think so. Wells yeah. Fargo economist had the good line, there's less need to squint to see that the jobs market is cooling. Uh-huh. I think that says it right there. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think we're, we're getting the, you know, the Fed is always data dependent, okay? But the follow through is going to have to occur, but I think it will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, let's let's stick with the economy here just a little bit. I have been sort of concerned for the commercial real estate sector. Um, earlier this week, we reported commercial real estate lending experiencing a significant decline. Historically low levels uh, poses several risks here, including the likelihood of defaults on expiring debt and a notable drop in new construction projects. How big a deal is uh, is the commercial real estate sector and how uh, how much impact could that have on the general economy, Jim? Well, that was always the other shoe to fall. We haven't seen it uh, fall yet, but uh, I think it's unavoidable from all these uh, office, uh, you know, buildings in in cities. Uh, So, yeah, I think there's some merit to that. Yeah, if 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 you're somebody that is holding a ton of commercial real estate, you're coming out of the pandemic uh, between. You know, the hybrid work environment companies going fully virtual. There is a vacant, you know, if you drive into any of the major cities in the U.S., you you see a lot of vacancy, um, you know, lease available, buy or sell. Like I, I, I was in Provo, Utah uh, a couple weeks ago, and, uh, you know, a couple big, big former head offices in, in sort of a business park area, you know, for lease or sale, uh, completely empty. And uh, that, that you got to have some cash to sustain that you know, when you don't even have a renter. Yeah. yeah, and it'll be eventually bought, but at much lower values. And two, what a lot of the general public does not understand is that to convert an office building to residential is not that easy and it's very costly. So mm-hmm. that's why the whole sector is going to be adjusted lower in in in, in order to turn that around. Yeah, and the what worst else? projects are ones that were built like we're a building, you know, rising construction costs leading into the pandemic. So like having a 20 year old building, it's it probably paid for, like you're more concerned about the upgrade and the you know reconstruction costs at some point. But if you, if that building's relatively fresh pre-pandemic, you are really underwater on that thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely right. And then one wonders, well, okay, so let's get creative and do something else with those spaces. Jim, you mentioned the, the expense in uh, converting a say an office building into a residential building into apartments and whatnot so what else do we do with those do we find something else to do with these 
these buildings and these spaces before the market turns around, or do we just ride out and see who's left standing at the end? Jim? Uh, it's usually a combination of uh, residential on top and and uh, you know various businesses on the bottom, like we've seen historically in, in cities, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's yeah. just going to take a lot lower prices to, in, in order to get that done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I may need to you know, convert some of my 10-story skyscrapers into laser tag instead of office spaces. I don't know. I don't know. It, it seems like there's there's an opportunity there. Somehow there's got to be. Um, not a whole lot of time in this segment. First, Jim, I'm going to throw it back to you here. What do we know about uh, the Senate on Tuesday confirmed Treasury Secretary Jack Lew as the new U.S. ambassador to Israel? Let's use this as a springboard into our Israel conversation. What do we know about Jack Lew, Jim? Oh, my goodness. He used to be chief of staff uh, mm -hmm. for uh, Biden. I mean, for Obama. Uh, sorry. He's well known in Washington. Uh, he's uh, uh, Jewish himself. I think overall he's he's a fair individual, although he got into trouble with some of the Republicans on the deal with the Iran. So uh, but we we do need an ambassador because obviously there uh, Israel is at war with Hamas. So uh, I think it was needed. Does choosing Lou specifically give us any insight into what the Biden administration may be thinking longer term on this this Israel uh, Hamas conflict? Well, you would hope so, but boy, they've been mired in so many uh, uh, singular uh, issues lately. And uh, after uh, President uh, Biden initially did a pretty good job on the uh, the uh, war uh, between Hamas and uh, uh, and Israel, he he has flip flopped in a couple of uh, areas, and it's a sensitive uh, uh, issue here. I don't think you can tell Israel what to do and how to do it, but the administration is trying to. In fact, Secretary of State Blinken is over there trying to uh, urge a cease uh, a ceasefire, but. Uh, Israel history shows that if you do that, 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 that's not the right strategy from their perspective. Yeah, Israel really pushed back on, you know, we'll, we'll do what we have to do this week. Um, so it, I, I agree, Jim, it doesn't really look like, you know, level of influence. There's influence, but uh, they're going to make their own decision, which uh, doesn't necessarily create any sort of ceasefire in the near term. Yeah, you know, you got to ask if if uh, the internet and all these groups were around in World War II, whether or not it would have We're going to start there. What if there was the internet? If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. By wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers right away. If you're testing your blood sugar four or more times per day, injecting insulin three or more times per day, or using an insulin pump, call the Diabetic Health Hotline today and learn about the latest CGM technology. A CGM can immediately reduce pain. It's accurate, easy to use, and helps you make better diabetes treatment decisions. And if you have Medicare, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Plus, get free shipping and we'll bill your insurance company for you. Call now to receive your new continuous glucose monitor at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Paid for by U.S. Medical Supply. Call 800-556-9015. That's 800-556-9015. Again, 800-556-9015. That's 800-556-9015. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. And joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Brian, take us to the corn market. We've got some strength going, buddy. Yeah, uh, corn is reacting to the uh, the big move up in soybeans and soy meal. Uh, those two have been the price leaders, and, and uh, because of that, we're seeing some corrective trade in the uh, corn market, like you mentioned. Now, uh, beans technically strong, and they got another daily export sale this morning to unknown destination, so some fundamental support uh, in addition to the technical-based buying. But uh, uh, soybeans and meal continue to be the leaders, and, and uh, everything else is pretty much following, the exception being... Uh, soy oil. And uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that the dollar is nearly a thousand points lower here at mid-morning. Uh, that's in reaction to the, the non-farm payroll numbers this morning, uh, which indicate that the, the Fed is probably at the end of its uh, 
high, uh, tightening cycle and uh, as a result, uh, heavy pressure on the dollar, which is helping out the grain and soy markets. Well, and we don't talk much about the stock market, you and I, but I've got the uh, I got the Dow, I got the S and P, I got the Nasdaq all up this morning. Is that in response to the jobs report? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, those the outside markets are reacting to mm -hmm. the uh, to the jobs numbers this morning. Yep. Uh, the cattle market isn't quite sure what to do with the mixed trade in the live and feeders. Yeah, uh, so live cattle are, are mixed, just waiting on cash cattle trade to develop. We have seen uh, selling pressure start to build here at mid-morning in the feeders because of the strength in corn. So as corn has extended its gains, uh, we've seen the, the feeder cattle see a little bit heavier selling pressure and now trading moderately to sharply lower. And uh, slight to moderate losses in the hog market pulling back from those just strong gains that we've seen over the past two weeks in that market. Indeed, that's Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady for Markets Now on AgriTalk. <coughs> Hello? Man, where are you? I thought you were coming. I can't. I'm in bed with the flu. <coughs> the flu? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Grandma's about to crowd, sir. Man, I'll call you back. Don't get stuck at home with the flu. A flu shot is safe, effective, and you can get it at the same time as your COVID-19 vaccine. A flu shot is the best way to prevent the flu and its potentially serious complications. Don't get flu FOMO. Learn more at GetMyFluShot.org. Brought to you by the AMA, CDC, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Ag Day host Clinton Griffiths, and I invite you to join me each morning as we cover the nation's food system, from fields of green to orchards of orange and livestock everywhere in between. America runs on agriculture, and here at Ag Day, agriculture is what we do best. Listen as our analysts track the markets, learn about innovations in technology and sustainability, and live the country lifestyle through the eyes of rural America. Join me, Clinton Griffiths, for Ag Day, the country experience. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The truth is hard to come by these days, unless you listen to AgriTalk. Well, and here's the good news, everybody. You are listening to AgriTalk. In fact, you're tuned right now on your favorite agricultural radio station or your preferred digital device. Thanks so much. Your pal Davis Michelson here. Chip's out today. He'll be back Monday. Don't worry about it. He's fine. Uh, and let me bring back in our panelists. The free-for-all is underway. Sean Haney from Real Ag Radio. Hello, sir. And Jim Wiesmeyer, pro-former policy OG. Um, Jim, before the uh, pursuit of commerce so rudely cut you off, you were about to make some point about the Internet and World War II. Can we, can we follow that rabbit trail just a little bit? What do you got? Yeah. I think a, a lot of people in my age bracket uh, would are openly wondering how World War II could have played out perhaps differently had the Internet been around, because they would have challenged uh, uh, most, if not everything, the Western, the U.S. and our Western allies did. And mm -hmm. I think that's what you're seeing unfold in, uh, in the Hamas-Israel uh, thing where it's mm -hmm. just you just got to pull your hair out that uh, this is what war is all about. It is not good to see. It's mm -hmm. ugly. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing it. It's not yeah, that, pretty, that, it's that's not an cool. interesting thought, Jim. Right. We we. You know, now we see like, you know, documentaries like, you know, World War Two in color. And it's 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 so it feels so long ago and and so far away, but you know it's relatively recent, you know, in in the context of time. You wonder if we had daily images like we're able to do today back then, how how people would have. It was easier to control the propaganda train, right at that yeah. time because you yeah, really just, control. Just ask the New York thought. Times relative relative to their holocaust uh lack of reporting there mm -hmm. that's based on history where they held back by the way yeah they don't have a good history on well holocaust. and then flip the switch in vietnam as i understand jim check my history on this but flip the switch and the american public began to see some of those combat images and were um less than impressed that's that that's that a uh, a prudent thing to bring out Ab yeah. absolutely yes yeah. All right, um, but it, but it also works the other way too, right? Where we where we should be, sorry, Davis, where we yeah, should no. be concerned about the other side, mm -hmm. and it when we do see some of the images and some of the videos, 
I think it sort of wakes us up a little bit quicker too, to what's happening in other parts of the world and in it not being so, so far away. And so not a part of our daily lives. Like it it can really work both ways. Oh, absolutely. And you always got to repeat Hamas is completely different than Palestine. Activist, you know, Hamas are just brutal. They're brutal. They're terrorists. Uh, uh, that's there's where your two sides, Palestine's Palestinians, have been under the the under the gun, if you will, uh, with the, some of the forcefulness of of Israel over the years. Understand that, mm-hmm. but that doesn't condone what Hamas did on October the what sixth, well, or seventh. And I don't know that we Westerners have any idea what it's like to be just a regular Palestinian citizen. I've got a family. I've got a job. I'm going to work every day. And yet I live in Gaza City, and there's this whole other subcontext going on. There are tunnels underneath my office building. This is some scary stuff, and I almost feel like Israel is is willing to throw out the baby with the bathwater to get at these Hamas terrorists. How far are they willing to go? It feels like they want to turn Gaza into a parking lot. Jim, Sean? Well, that, that's kind of what they're saying, that they're yeah. going to wipe them off. So we're going to see. But the PR is going against them. You can yeah. see that uh, building uh, uh, around the world and yeah. uh, the, you know, right or wrong. Uh, but, uh, it is, you know, both sides have a point, And that's the problem, that mm-hmm. you want to have negotiations before a war, you know, uh, mm. but we didn't. Yeah. yeah. You know, here here in North America, for those of us that have a basement... You know, we we try to have a nice, you know, big screen TV and a nice beer fridge and mm-hmm. maybe a dartboard or a pool table. Those are important things. It's not a bomb shelter, right? And it's 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 a it's a big difference. It's uh, it's actually hard to get your head wrapped around when you really put yourself in that situation. And we're seeing it bridge into U.S. legislation because mm-hmm. you're seeing at on the news, uh, Davis, you, you brought up that the House is wanting to go solo on Israel, but they've attached yes. offsetting budget cuts uh, relative to the IRS. The Democrat only 12 House Democrats voted for that approach. It's not going to go anywhere in the Senate. Uh, Schumer has already said he won't even take it up. So yeah. we're at loggerheads at the right at the same time that the world is wanting leadership on the part of the United States, and they're not getting it for both Israel and Ukraine. So uh, we're 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 in, you know you know we're dug in a ditch here, mm-hmm. and you know. And it's the multiple front thing, right? Having to deal with multiple large conflict situations at 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 once, and you know, if, really, heaven forbid, if there was to be one more breakout somewhere else in the world, it it, it where are the resources to be able to 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 support all of that mm-hmm. based on the side that you're you're picking? Um, and you know, from a like a manufacturing standpoint, you know, domestically to supply some of those weapons. Obviously, the, the money question is becoming a bigger deal in in DC around the support of the, of these efforts. It, it it's a real challenge for the U.S. to manage the resources. Yes, and you think Absolutely. Russia's Putin doesn't uh, like what's going on here? Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. for the first time in months, I didn't have one Russia Ukraine item in my morning report. <laughs> uh, I thought that was interesting. Yep. Because it's just, it's off the news, off mm-hmm. the news. Well, and, you know, okay, people talk about, ooh, the, now that we we could be fighting a, a two-front war here eventually down the road here. What it, I mean, it, at this point, it's basically a two-front proxy war, right? If we're continuing to fund Ukraine, now we, we continue to, or now we send some funding for Israel. Am I framing that correctly as we're fighting a two-front proxy war here? Well, I think it's more than even a two front. I mean, it should be multiple front, including, you know, look what Iran has done with their proxies around the world. We have to deal with that. Look at Egypt. How many billions of dollars do we give Egypt? And yet we're having to to plead with them to uh, to to open it up for the for the uh, uh, hostages. You know, and just mm-hmm. it's just unbelievable. But the, this shows you how uh, weak this country has become internationally and that's not good because that's that'll foster other incursions 
Yeah, the, you, you, we mentioned World War II. Since World War II, the U.S. has been that stability uh, around the world. Um, and, and so th- this is this this is you know i don't want to overstate it's just it's a very concerning time on on what what steps the the us takes and and how interested it is in continuing to be that stable force or does it retreat and and kind of be like what it what the attitude was pre pre world war 1 and 2 which was very isolationist and and not being that that stability force around the world it's it's kind of that sort of fork in the road in some respects yeah, you're seeing shades of the isolationist in this country take off in both political parties, by the way. Right. Well, like look at the look at the U.S. in World War Two. It kind of to my understanding is it kind of took Japan saying, you know, we're we're going to go after Pearl Harbor for the U.S. Yeah. for the, the opinion to change. Right. Yep. So the history is 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 keep it in front of your mind. Yeah. What is the what's the word on the street from the Canadian? Sean, on this on this Israel thing, the United States and, and Israel have a longstanding relationship. Uh, I'm I'm unclear on on where Canada stands on this. Yeah, you're kind of right to be. It, it, that's a really interesting perception, Davis, because mm-hmm. it, it's there is a lot of pressure in cabinet both ways in terms of should Canada be saying you know we support Israel, uh, which which Prime Minister has said. But there's also pressure inside his cabinet to be a peacemaker and say there should be a ceasefire, which which some people have have really gone after and and saying that incur, trying to say there should be a ceasefire is not acknowledging what Hamas really is, and, and so the prime minister has sort of yeah, flip flop and sort of like willy nilly or watering the fence, not trying to talk about it. I think you're exactly correct. It's hard to figure out kind of where this liberal government stands right now on this conflict for on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Almost feels like uh, the best thing to do is to hope and pray for peace, knowing full well that these guys are serious. They're going to do what they want to do um, on both sides, Hamas and Israel. Um, you know what? There's. I wanted to talk about, Jim, the whole bundling effect. It, is is this $14.3 billion supplemental funding bill for Israel not going to pass just because it's a standalone or because of what it wants to do with the IRS funding? And we're, we're short on time. With the IRS funding. Is it? it? It'll eventually come, but it won't be. The Senate, you need 60 votes in the Senate. You're not mm-hmm. going to get it. So it'll yeah. eventually happen. But when, I have no idea. So does a bill that includes this 14.3 and maybe even the same IRS stuff, but also includes funding for Ukraine, for the border, for for all of that stuff, does maybe something like that get through as long as all the other stuff is piled on with it? I I, I see eventual whether it's together. I don't see the offsetting of the budget cuts. I just don't. The, the Senate Democrats just will not go along with that. So, mm-hmm. But eventually we'll get there. Now, the Republicans have a point on the border. They just not only want more funding, they want policy changes. And that's where the Democrats have drawn a line saying, no, 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 we don't want any policy changes. So, again, both parties are going to have to give. Uh, We're going to see in the next few weeks if that occurs. All right, we are... uh... We're well underway here. We've got a few. You know what? We may need to go lightning round here because they're getting paid 20 bucks an hour to flip burgers at McDonald's in California. How have we not even mentioned this? Um, uh, and others. Who knows? We're going to go lightning round with uh, Wiesmeyer and Haney here on AgriTalk for your Friday. It's your pal, Davis Michelson. So glad you've chosen to spend some time with us. We'll be right back after these words with more AgriTalk. Somewhere around 400 feet off the ground, an RPG came through the belly of the aircraft. When I first got out, I felt like my whole life had been smushed down to just medical appointments. I was going to occupational therapy, physical therapy, speech therapy. We don't talk about the female combat wounded. These are our, our daughters and our sisters and our mothers. I'm not sure I would still be here if I didn't find the Friends and Wounded Warrior Project that I did. Because there was a long period after the injury where I really didn't understand why I was still here. It felt like I had lost everything. Wounded Warrior Project came into my life and taught me how to stand back up and get back in the fight. The truth is I think we all have this strength inside of us, but until you're tested, you just don't know it's there. 
See how Wounded Warrior Project empowers women veterans like Beth by visiting woundedwarriorproject.org slash empowerwomenvets. This is Andrew McRae, host of the American Countryside. I'm also a farmer and rancher from Northwest Missouri, and I hope you'll join me each week for Farming the Countryside as we take a look at the top issues impacting agriculture as told by the people farming and working in their industry. We'll talk about markets and trade, share some of the latest tips and trends for grain and livestock producers, and take a look at trends impacting rural America. Join me for Farming the Countryside on many local radio stations or on your favorite podcast platform, or just go to farmingthecountryside.com. There's danger out there. It lurks on highways and quiet neighborhood streets. It's more likely to kill you than a shark and more terrifying than the biggest snake. Distracted driving claims lives every day. Every notification, swipe, social post, video, or selfie while driving risks your life. So while you might think public speaking or the zombie apocalypse is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. At Simplot Grower Solutions, success starts with seed. For each field condition, climate, and agronomic management style, your local Simplot Grower Solutions crop advisor can help you select and provide the seed that enables you to plant a strong foundation for the growing season. Our team of seed experts are committed to your success and will offer the support you need to optimize your yield potential. Contact your local crop advisor now for your best seed opportunity or visit SimplotGrowerSolutions.com for more information. The Scoop Podcast is where we talk about tight supply chains, emerging agronomic challenges, technology tools delivering ROI. I'm Margie Echelkamp, editor of The Scoop and host of The Scoop Podcast. Join me as I interview leaders from across the ag retail sector. Farmers are working hard for every bushel and their trusted advisors are by their side. Find The Scoop Podcast wherever you find podcasts so you are up to date on everything ag retail. Don't you wish your life came with a warning app? Stop. That dog does not want to be petted. (laughs) Just a little heads up before something bad happens. Move your coffee cup away from your computer. Oh, no, 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 no. So you can have more control. Stop. You're texting your boss by mistake. Uh-oh. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes like managing your weight, getting active, stopping smoking, and eating healthier, you can stop pre-diabetes before it leads to type 2 diabetes. It's easy to learn your risk. Take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Warning, the cap is loose on that catch-up. Ugh. Don't wait. You have the power to change the outcome. Visit doihaveprediabetes.org today. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. I'm Tyne Morgan, host of U.S. Farm Report. Join me each weekend as we explore the news and issues that matter the most to agriculture. We know this past year has been challenging in many ways, but as agriculture continues to adapt, We are right there with you. From markets to weather, each weekend we take a deep dive into what matters most. Join me each weekend for U.S. Farm Report, timely, trusted tradition. Hey, I'm Reba McIntyre. Growing up in Oklahoma, I had big dreams of becoming a successful country music singer. But I also knew the odds were against me and that I needed an education to fall back on Studying never got in the way of my dreams. In fact, school gave me lots of opportunities I wouldn't have had otherwise with my career. Please stay in school and try your best. You never know where a good education might take you. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. Do you suffer from talking on the radio phobia? No problem. Send us a tweet at hashtag Agritalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. TikTok, TikTok. I want to get to this quick. Um, we need to get into some election stuff just a little bit. The president visited rural America. Senator Chuck Grassley was uh, was uh, displeased with that. Rather had some words. Um, Jim, let's start with you to continue the World War II uh, allegory here. I guess is it too harsh to maybe compare President Biden with Neville Chamberlain? And if so. Who's our Churchill? Mm. That's a tough Um, one, right? 
no one comes close to Churchill yeah. now again. Well, no. Who would, who would be our modern goofy, <laughs> flawed version of that, though? I mean, is is this a Trump thing? Oh, Trump? No. Yeah. Well, I think you're you're seeing a resurgence of Trump interest because he wasn't weak. Mm-hmm. I think a, a growing number of Americans sense a weak uh, uh, administration and they don't like it. So that's yeah. the chance that Trump has to win. At least that's what my ear is 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 hearing. Well, and the quote it, from Grassley is the quote from Grassley is I don't think any of us are surprised that a president that's behind in the polls would be kicking off his campaign in rural America. Sean. Yeah, well, you know, and because of electoral college, he's going to need that, you know, some support from some of those, especially those rural areas that are in some of those those swing states. Indeed, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, I, I on the Churchill question, I was just going to say, like, a big shout out to everybody. If you are ever in London, England, go to the Churchill uh, War Room. Ooh. I don't know if Jim's ever done that, but that that yeah. is something it is a yes. beautiful museum and it is it is it is well worth the trip i've been there actually twice it's it's well worth the trip so well as far as biden and vilsack in minnesota uh this week uh, that was primarily uh repackaging billions of dollars that was had already been unveiled and mm-hmm. you know some republicans uh told me that the uh, Biden administration message in in Minnesota, where they went to a, a farm, I think was Northfield. Uh, they neglected the central issues of Minnesota farmers, uh, hmm. renewable fuels, disaster aid, effective mm-hmm. farm bill safety net and some crop insurance changes. Now, if you want to yeah. go to farm country, talk those topics. Right. Yeah. He made a weird comment about like we're investing in the Internet and rural electrification. It, it, like. <laughs> What? <laughs> like yeah. that is is that in the top fifteen of people in in rural <laughs> Minnesota? Uh, definitely, though, tying into the populist stuff, though, because he he talked about how you know four big companies control more than half the market in beef, pork, and poultry. So, like that that's an issue that I think resonates with some people, definitely in rural Minnesota. So it's kind of a, a yeah, a but it's issue. it's also a figure that's been around for forty years in the meat yeah. industry. So, you know, that's, that's a populist. Yep. That's, yep. A, there's a certain crowd like that. Totally understand. But if you're going to talk farm country issues, talk them yeah. again, the need to get corn as an eligible uh, commodity for the sustainable aviation fuel disaster mm-hmm. aid that d- d- don't do the ERP uh, for 2022, uh, like you announced earlier this week, it's a disaster in itself, the complexity of that thing. And uh, the the farm bill, are we going to have a farm bill? Well, I was going to ask uh, you about that, Jim. Know, is, he, if he we ever get blamed, a farm bill. He could have blamed yeah. the Republican. Well, I don't think, I don't think. Now, there's a host of reasons why you're going to have to have an extension. Uh, mm-hmm. just, uh, uh, complete, uh, competing work, uh, continuing resolution to not to shut down the government, appropriation bills, supplemental bills, uh, all sorts of things. And then there's, there's scuttlebutt that the some House Republicans want to uh, to get more money uh, funded for Title One to get at the food stamp program again. Well, that, that stands no chance of getting through, of of getting through the Senate. So you just may as well just you know propose the one year farm bill extension and get it over with. It sounds like Speaker Johnson wants to wants to divide up several issues and take them one at a time. I'm trying to find the story here, Jim. What am I trying to trying to get to here? Do you remember? Well, that's the regular rules. You know, that used to be how Congress did things. Here we go. You know, and yeah, but you can't as these issues are, but it's near the end of the year that you're going to have to tie some of these things together. Now, what what he has going for him is that I don't think the rebels in his own party uh, want to do him away right away. Okay, Mm -hmm. so he does have a honeymoon, but it's not going to last too long. Get the ball rolling because you've got some goodwill up there in your own party. So how long how long is the honeymoon? Ooh, good question. Like, how long does he have, Jim, till they till they about as long as a honeymoon lasts a couple of weeks, right? (laughs) 
Yeah. I don't know. Well, you might be honey mooning wrong, you are, Jim. <laughs> uh, Sean, before we run out of time here, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau ruled out any further carve-outs from the federal carbon tax scheme uh, amid mounting pressure from provinces seeking measures like an exemption on home heating oil announced last week. What do we got here? Yeah, well, the, the Prime Minister's really in trouble in the polls, and he's really concerned about losing some seats in Atlantic Canada. And so he basically did a car vote for Atlantic Canadians and saying, you got a three-year exemption on paying the carbon tax when it relates to your home heating. Oof. And basically the rest of the country, pound sand. Too yeah. bad. And it's got Saskatchewan, Alberta in particular, extremely upset. It's this, It's the typical divisive politics that this liberal government in Canada, they employ. And basically... They, one of the liberal MPs said, well, Western Canada, just elect more liberal MPs and maybe you'd be heard more. Like, what? what is that? Wow. Uh, it, it, it's really created a real, uh, you know what, storm here in the past seven days. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get to the real Canadian news. Matthew Perry went to school with Justin Trudeau and Matthew Perry at one time said he beat him up. <laughs> well, really? When, yeah. Sad loss. Yeah. Sad, sad loss for Canada and everybody else. The, the loss of Matthew Perry. For sure, Matthew Perry, um, Chandler from Friends. Yeah, could we, could he be any more missed? Sean Haney, uh, thanks for being with us this morning on the Free For All. Appreciate you, buddy. Uh, have a great weekend. Yeah, all the best, everybody. Cheers. Jim Wiesmeyer, Pro former Policy OG. Uh, appreciate you, big guy. Uh, always great to talk to you. Have a great day. Sure. USA Rice CEO Betsy Ward is retiring. She was a good person for the rice growers. All right. Well, there's your free-for-all, gang. Uh, We'll be back with Dan Huber this afternoon from the Huber Report to uh, discuss everything. I'm your pal, Davis Michelson. Agri-talk. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. By wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers right away. If you're testing your blood sugar four or more times per day, injecting insulin three or more times per day, or using an insulin pump, call the Diabetic Health Hotline today and learn about the latest CGM technology. A CGM can immediately reduce pain. It's accurate, easy to use, and help you make better diabetes treatment decisions. And if you have Medicare, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Plus, get free shipping and we'll bill your insurance company for you. Call now to receive your new continuous glucose monitor at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Paid for by U.S. Medical Supply. Call 800-556-9015. That's 800-556-9015. Again, 800-556-9015. That's 800-556-9015.